I want to be the best possible version of who I am and who I am today. I'm not the dancer that you all know me with a pink snake, belly dance superstars, right? So that's, that's a different dancer. Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Belly Dance Live podcast. I'm your host, Jana Komarnitska, and I'm thrilled to share a new portion of dance inspiration with you. If you are a new listener, welcome to the show. Don't forget to subscribe and receive automatic updates about our new episodes. And if you are our regular listener, welcome back. Please leave your reviews on whichever app you're listening. They really help me promote the show and spread awareness about belly dance art form. Plus, I really like like hearing back from you. On this note, let's get to our today's episode. Have you ever considered adding a fitness element to your belly dance classes? This can significantly help you to get more students through the door and, most importantly, retain them and earn more money. Check out Sharky the Belly Dance Workout. The founder of the system, Orid, shares how teaching belly dance fitness transformed her own career in a way no performance opportunities ever could. In her course, you will receive tips on how to teach and get ready for the class, including ready-made class choreos, as well as useful insights on business aspect of this activity. Join Sharky's three-month instructor academy that features an online course, weekly coaching sessions, and business training. You leave with razor-sharp teaching skills and best practices for your teaching business. Enrollment is now open for the next Sharky Instructor Academy beginning January 2nd. Apply at sharkey.com teach. It's S-H-A-R-Q-U-I dot com slash teach. Direct link in the show notes. Oh my god. Can you believe that it has been already four years since our last interview with Jelena? And today I'm super excited to have her back. Jelena Carlano is performer, master instructor, choreographer, director, and producer who devoted her life to dance. From 2003 to 2009, she served as artistic director and main choreographer for the Ballet Dance Superstars and performed with them for over 700 shows in over a dozen of countries. In 2009, she created Ballet Dance Evolution to take Middle Eastern dance to a higher level worldwide. Belly Dance Evolution has already appeared in over 20 countries and was a featured performer at the Mawazine Festival in Morocco, performing for the Queen of Morocco. Jelena has won numerous awards from International Academy of Middle Eastern Dance and the Giza Academy, including Best Modern Egyptian Dancer, Best Instructional Video, Best Dance Company and Dancer of the Year. As I mentioned, we already had two actually actually two interviews with Jelena. I will include links in the show notes and one of them was entirely about Biden's evolution, casting process, many tips for those of you who may want to try your luck and skills in this department. And the second interview was entirely about uh, health and uh, nutrition and holistic approach to the health and body care as a dancer. So, Links to the previous uh, interviews will be included in the show notes. And although they have been done four years ago, the information is still valuable and fresh today as it was uh, before. 
And in our today's conversation, we actually talked about last four years and all the changes that happened not only in the dance world, but specifically with Belly Dance Evolution and with Jelena's personal and professional dance life. We have been talking about delegating responsibilities and projects to others, as well as Jelena gave a couple very cool and valuable tips for hiring people. So for those of you who are looking to create a team finally or having a problem creating a team, that may be very, very useful. We also talked about post-pandemic performances by Belladance Evolution because for two years company was not performing anywhere just as everyone else. But now they are back on stage. And we also talked, of course, about changes in mindset and uh, dealing with self-criticism and personal insecurities after a long break in dance specifically. And also talked about the importance of generosity as a human, as a dancer, as a part of this community. And Jelena really set a great example for all of us during these past years. So this is what we have for today. Once again, reminding, don't forget to check previous interviews. They were really great and very different information and different sides of Jelena's activities and Belly Dance Evolution specifically. And if you found inspiration or value in our today's episode, don't forget to screenshot, share it on social media, tag us and let us know what you think. Jelena and Belly Dance Evolution are back, taking their show and programs across the globe. You know how many guests we had previously on this podcast shared how much their experience with BDE pushed their dance career. You can have it too. Audition for Jelena's latest production and join Jungle Book cast. All details at www.joinbde.com. Direct link in the show notes, joinbde.com. Hello, dear Jelena. I am extremely happy to see you, to have you back on the podcast. It's such a pleasure to catch up now with you and uh, such a jump also in your activities over over these four years. So thank you so much for being back on the podcast. (laughs) Absolutely. Aloha and uh, greetings from Maui, Hawaii. It's where I live now. So lots of changes have come about in my life. Um, not just uh, professionally, but also personally. (laughs) Well, for our listeners, for those who somehow missed it, uh, we already did two interviews with you. And it was back, both of them were back in 2018, almost like one back to back. So for those listeners who missed it, it was the very first was episode number 22, where we talked a lot about Baladance Evolution, company touring and the sense of community that you created and networking over the globe and seeing the impact of your work on ballet dancers all over the world in different countries. And then our next followed up interview was literally episode number 31, which uh, was completely dedicated to uh, health, nutrition, um, eating habits for dancers, and you were so kind, you even recorded the video of your fridge, what's inside. So for those who somehow missed, definitely go back and listen to those episodes. Shown, uh, it, links will be in the show notes. But our today's conversation, I actually want to ask you, because we chatted a little bit prior to the start recording the interview, but um, still, I would like to start with asking you, thinking about this last four years, 
there were a lot of changes in all kind of fields. What comes to your mind if I ask you, what do you feel was the most important or impactful change personally for you as a dancer in this last four years? Yeah, I think it, one of the, it, it sounds kind of simple, but it's just a realization. So when everything closed down and my whole life was kind of flying around the globe, you know, teaching, performing, directing with the dance company and festivals. So when everything kind of stopped, I, I kind of felt like, oh, okay, my career is over. Like everything's done, you know? And I, and I felt like a, a tremendous sense of gratitude. Like, well, I had a good run. I had so many incredible experiences. I'm so grateful for that. But then as I kind of sat with that for a while, I realized that, you know, I, you know, I kept creating, I kept dancing, you know, I was dancing at home alone and just, you know, that I realized that, that dance actually lives inside me that it, it's not, it's not necessarily something that has to be so out. Like I don't have to fly anywhere to do it. Like dance lives inside my heart. Dance lives inside my mind. Like I have steps and choreographies and ideas. So dance as a concept kind of changed for me hmm. is that being in a room with a lot of other people where it's still, it's still just as valuable when you do it alone. And I had one of the most creative four years of my, my, my whole career. I created more choreographies than I ever have. I re reflected, I was like, wow, I really, I really dug deep into that and I created all kinds of stuff. So just, yeah, just the realization that, that dance lives like here, I'm holding my heart. If you, you can't see me, it's a podcast, <laughs> but yeah, it just really lives inside of you. Even, um, when you get older or you're injured or you're in a lockdown, whatever that means, it, it can't be necessarily taken away from you. Mm -hmm. Right. It's a, it's, it's a, con it's a, it's a different concept for me now. Ah, it's such a treasure to be honest, because for many dancers, it was opposite with, uh, absence of this visual or outside representation of dance, or oh, I don't have performances, I don't have uh, opportunity to go on stage, they lost uh, motivation to actually dance. <laughs> and you see Yeah, I heard that a lot. I heard a lot of dancers, teachers, students saying, I'm losing motivation. Um, and that was heartbreaking. And, you know, it, life was hard for, you know, everybody was experiencing it in, in their own way. Um, but it, things got tough. In, in a lot of different ways, there was a lot of loss, death, um, loss of, you know, finances, loss of resources. So, yeah, that was definitely something, a mantra that I had heard a little too much. And it, that was heartbreaking. Personally for you, at that point, you were directing a lot of different projects. Like it was Ballet Dance Evolution, but inside this name, uh, this title was a lot of many things. But one of them, the most like, you know, famous that everyone right away thinks, okay, the company, the touring project, the concerts, and you had a lot, you had a big team. And then suddenly we face lockdowns, all concerts, all tours are obviously canceled, uh, but not your responsibility for 
people who rely on the show and for many of them if it was not the main source of income but it was big part of their life and some kind of relied on it and suddenly you as a director as the leader of the company of the group you kind of have to deal first with your personal things trying to navigate okay what to do it's completely different landscape and uh, what's allowed not allowed and nothing was actually allowed in terms of performances but you also on top of that have responsibility and pressure how to navigate the team that relies on you so how was that part for you how did it go <laughs> that probably the hardest part because you know I'm, I'm very close with with the people I work with with my team so um, personally that was really difficult when I couldn't like you know I had the I had a huge dance studio uh, and, a, and a business and a business that supported a lot of these artistic endeavors and I had it was a lot of, a lot of my resources there had a team we had we did a lot we stored all the costumes we had a team of um, uh, costume designers working there and, and on all of you know everybody working on the behind the scenes so when the studio closed and all of those resources dried up it it was really tough and everybody kind of like you said it was a new landscape we had to kind of reshift and rethink some of the things so um, I was able to keep a small amount of the team. We're all working remotely and on the creative side, on the administrative side. So I felt very fortunate to to have the loyalty of, of my team. And we kind of got through it in a not a lot of you know financial um, uh, support, but we, we were able to manage through it and get over that hump. But it, it was really tough to lose that. And, and coming out of it, it's been interesting because a lot of those a lot of those people have just moved on to do other projects, have gone back to school and got degrees or had kids or did other new and interesting thing in their life and kind of found their path. So but at the beginning, I felt a, a huge weight on my shoulders because, yeah, a lot of especially like, you know, some of the younger performing dancers, that was that was like their main thing. Mm-hmm. And and that was that was a tough tough thing to witness and to be into and not be able to have enough uh, resources to 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 create opportunities because like you said everything was closed just closed and I, I was in California where it was a hard lockdown and that's exactly actually I would like to clarify even here uh, one with one more question you mentioned like oh, it was smaller team that you managed to navigate through these times working remotely but someone will listen and thinking like okay but what can you work remotely on it's a performing touring company what are you talking about <laughs> well yeah exactly that's a good question so in the beginning we were like well uh, we, we really wanted to um, just kind of figure out some of these online resources. We were trying to navigate, you know, the whole online world. So we started doing like watch parties. We would do um, like a dance, like a dance festival and invite some of our members and we'd have these online shows. So none of the big productions, but we were trying to give, um, you know, inspiration for our, for our dancers, for our, for our members. So BDE has over 300 members that we've worked with over the many, many years. So trying to kind of create those opportunities for uh, performances to give them um, some exposure to kind of put them out into the market and also just some inspiration for dancers to kind of come together and feel a part of something. That was also something really missing in, in our dance community. So that was the one thing. And the other big thing that we did is we created uh, like a company training course. 
So Sabah and Luna and I, so I bring in like the coaches who dance and, and are experts in their style. Of course, I'm the like Roxel Sharkey expert-ish. You know, that's kind of like my, my specialty. So I brought in like our fusion dancer. I brought in a ballet coach and we created an online dance company training course. So that was a huge project to undertake. And it was it was really valuable it was the idea of Lauren, who's been with me for over 16 years now. So um, it's, you know, each company kind of has their own repertoire. So building upon that and, and giving dancers the training um, globally, since now it's a, they can access this from anywhere in the world. So that was a few things that we had tried to focus our energy and our, um, and our resources on. And I also know that during these four years, at some point, you kind of delegated some of your responsibilities or tasks for the, like, uh, not the company in general, but like projects within Balladance Evolution to other people. So you let them sort of take over and lead further uh, some of the projects. So can you tell a little bit more? And why did you come with that decision? You know, I... It, it's something that, that I'm really proud of is I, I love to, to lead by example and I love to share everything I have. So when I'm doing something or working on something, I'll always um, kind of maybe have someone shadowing me. And after you've shadowed me for a few years, you'll kind of learn all of my systems. I have everything as a system. You do this thing first and everything has like a, a layer and a system. So um, like Olga d produced one of the online shows. So I got to like kind of pass off the hat to her as a, as a producer. So she had to contact and coordinate all the dancers and collect all the music and all of those things that a producer does. So I got to oversee that and help her with questions, um, bringing in um, teachers to, to teach some of my students and, and work on their specialty and let them uh, sort of lead projects. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's, it's one of the things that has helped me to be successful is that I, I open up those opportunities with really talented people. I recognize talent and I open up an opportunity and it's always been a win-win. So they, they, they get an opportunity to have experience and I get the opportunity to learn and grow from someone who's, who has strengths that I don't. So I always try to have that as a policy. And it's, it's, most of the time over the, you know, over this long career, it's like most of the time it's worked out. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's a fail and it just doesn't work and it's not a right match. And that's OK. I'd rather do that and have a couple of fails when all of the win and all of the hero stories come out on the other side. So it's been nice for me to be able to pass the torch at times and know that the brand and the company and the systems that we've built over the many years that they can stand the test of time with and without me. Mm. It's also cool to hear uh, your experience of working with a team because it's, uh, let's say, based on its own to deal with hiring people and leading people. And at this point, by this stage, you have a really huge experience of uh, trying to deal and organize people. But uh, thinking back at your experience, I'll, I'll sort of sidetrack a little bit from talking about changes in your life, but I think it's a cool subject and question. Uh, yeah. Can you give maybe any share from your experience or maybe come up with something, some tips or suggestions for people who are maybe in the very, very beginning, they don't have a team, 
but they kind of feel they need to start having a team. So how easy it is actually to find people who will be um, on the same board with you, leading to your dance goals and dreams, and how to navigate the situation that, oh, is it a good fit, not good fit, maybe situation that you need to fire someone, because I bet you have a lot of experience <laughs> in this field. Yeah, that's that's true. Well, first thing is, co it's called uh, hire slow, fire fast. <laughs> hire slow, fire fast. Like take your time when you bring somebody onto the team. Really spend time, go out for coffee with them. Um, ask them lots of questions, get to know them, get to, get to see them be really observant. I think this is something I'm good at. I'm really observant when I watch them interact with other people mm. because when someone's interacting with me, they want the job or they want the role of the, of the lead dancer or they want the opportunity. But as soon as I'm out of the room, how are they interacting with the other members? How are they interacting with the other team? Are they, are they cooperative? Do they contribute? Um, so I'm super observant. Like everyone says I have like 3d vision and i can see behind me and i can i i'll list you know i'm not like eavesdropping but you'll you know if you're in a room you can hear the conversations you notice how they interact with other people that's a really huge thing to see how they treat other people see how they if you're at a restaurant see how they treat a waitress are they kind and respectful um you can just start to notice those habits uh, of of how they go through the world with other people that's mm -hmm. that's huge for me, I'd rather work with somebody who is um, has the potential to grow in the company and has, you know, has a lot of compassion and empathy and works well with others than hiring the most expert person but doesn't get along with others. And I have had experiences. I've unfortunately had experiences where I've had to let people go. And I call this like, you know, particularly in a dance company, and I call it like the 007. So like James Bond, he's amazing, right? 007, he's great at what he does, but he needs to work alone. He's really good when he works alone. He is a star. You don't put him in a team. So I've had dancers who have come in, they're absolutely amazing, like breathtaking artistically, but they don't work well with the team and they have to go. That is, I, I'd much rather have, uh, you know, less dancers in the group or just, you know, it, if someone comes in and they're disruptive, it will, it will, it, it's, it's like, you know, like a cancer, it'll just spread mm. and it's not healthy and it's not good. You know, we dance because we're, we love this passion and we love being together with each other and elevating the art. So when someone comes in and they're poisonous or disruptive, it's not, it's not a healthy atmosphere and it's not a safe atmosphere. And I pride myself on that. When you come into my company and you sit in circle time, I take pride that this is a safe place for us to share, connect and support each other and not judge each other. So any of those other behaviors is, it's just not tolerated. Like I, I cut it out really fast, you know, and you learn the hard way, but you learn, you know, you have to, you have to get through those experiences, but my advice for any directors or teachers who are running a company, even if it's a student company, and if you have that one dancer who's disruptive or does a lot of gossip, let them go. Just wish them well on their own, you know, give them the 007 stamp and then just, you know, you know, and send and send them out with love. Don't do it resentful. Really do it and wish them well. That's that's important because it. It'll it'll help them to go through a, go through that transition easier, and it'll help you to go through that transition a little easier.
Yeah, that's uh, both uh, things a nightmare, I think, for people who are not much uh, skilled or experienced in hiring. is like how to hire and choose properly, and then, if anything, how to fire <laughs> if it's not the best fit. So thank you for sharing your experience. Sure, yeah. Now, back to Belladance Evolution Company, because although you had a break and the company obviously stopped uh, from working, and you will also, I want to talk uh, also about activities, what was happening in the online world, but I can't uh, right now skip the fact that uh, Belladance Evolution is back on stage. Yeah. And the jungle of the book... Um, uh, the Book of Jungle is now back on stage. So how was that? First of all, I want to ask about emotions when you realized, okay, it's happening. We are back on stage. We are preparing and, and things, uh, things are getting there out. What did you feel? How was the emotional state? And then if any logistics, unusual logistics came out after lockdowns. Oh God, it was, yeah. So after it got back from March, we, we debuted the show. We, I worked for years on this show. We did costumes and music and choreography. We debuted it in Germany and I came home that weekend and I washed the costumes and packed them up. And I knew I was packing them up for a while. I didn't realize it would be two years, but I knew I was packing them up. So I, I remember very gently packing them thinking, I want them to last. I want them to be happy in this, you know, in their containers. And um, I remember that was like an emotional thing for me. So unpacking that and kind of going back and, and, and opening up the costumes again, it was like, oh yeah, we did this. And oh yeah, we did that. And I remember creating this with the designers. So it was, Actually, when I physically touched it, it wasn't until I physically touched it and I got like Saban, I went in and started opening up the costumes and doing inventory. That's when it really hit me that it was like I could I could it was tangible at that moment. Mm. Um, and then then you start working on it and going through it and then you see some of the how it came out. And then you're like, God, I wouldn't have made those choices today. But we made a few changes for for bringing it back to the to the stage in Mexico City. We just got back last week. It was incredibly special. Like Caesar and Surable had opened up, I call it like Grande Puerta, a huge door for us. We were able to debut the um, the show in Mexico City. So that was really exciting. But honestly, uh, some real talk, like there was fear. There was fear of me. I had some insecure moments. Am I still the dancer I was two years ago? Can I deliver on the stage? Uh, you know, is this, is this, is, is this, is this the right place for me to be moving into? And, uh, you know, so I had some of those doubts, but I, I kind of had to give myself a talk. <laughs> uh, I had to put the work in. I really started like stepping up my yoga training. I started stepping up my hitting the gym. I started stepping up my, my, my rehearsals because I was alone. I'm alone on the Island here in Maui. So it, it's a little harder to, you got to dig deep for that motivation to get yourself ready for that kind of um, responsibility and that kind of um, position. So I, I, once, I, once I kind of got those tools in place, I, I felt a lot better, but there, there was some real fear. Like, is this, do I still have it? Do, am I ready to do this again? And um, it was incredibly special. There was some, you know, blood, sweat and tears at rehearsal week, as always. But it was incredibly special to see dancers come back together in the room 
and to present something uh, so so beautiful. I'm really proud of the project and I'm proud of the team. I, it's a, again, I always want to acknowledge my team because it's a collaborative. I bring in guest choreographers and I have coaches and dance captains that really help with all of the aspect. And it was probably also an interesting experience for you because uh, you shared prior to this interview, you shared that prior to recording this interview, you shared uh, that it was like two years literally no performances for you that you didn't wear a costume and your mindset kind of shifted from okay maybe it's the end let's say a good chapter of my life move on to then digging into dance and then digging a lot into teaching activities uh, for dancing so can you uh, share a little bit more about this transition how you got involved into teaching and what it brought you because you have been teaching the whole life it's not like it's new activity for you but what was different in these few years there's a teacher that you discovered in yourself so it it was it was like I took a decision no performances I didn't want to do any online performances all of the Hofflers I, I, I'll send you a pre-recorded something but I'm not I mean something from the past. I, I did not want to put on a costume and dance in my bedroom. It would just wasn't, it didn't appeal to me artistically. And I felt I'm going to be, I'm going to serve my community a lot better if I just focus on teaching. And I thought about it as like, oh my God, I have 30 years of experience from being, you know, a restaurant dancer to a workshop instructor, to a performer and director and, you know, the belly dance superstar and all of those many years it was really interesting to kind of reflect and think, oh, I'd love to share a lot of this knowledge. And honestly, it's a lot of, you know, you share the things you learn from the mistakes. So it's a lot of, of those kind of things that I, that I, that it, that it's, that have come up that have been really funny and interesting, but I just got to really focus on teaching and going through concepts and diving really deep into that and, and coaching individual dancers as well on their career and, and being a mentor for some dancers. So it's been a, a really, uh, you know, it's such an honor to be in that position. So when I think of my mentor, Sahara Saida, when I think of someone that I really love and admire and all her years of experience, it's not just the dance steps that I learned from her. Mm -hmm. It was, I learned a lot, of course, a lot of dance from her, but it was really um, so much more how, how she goes through the world as an artist and, and all of those, all of that journey and all of that responsibility and all of that, that comes with that uh, of being an artist. So that for me felt like such, such an honor to, to, to start to shift into that role. And I felt like I was ready for it. I felt like this is, this feels like the right time for me. And like I said earlier, I created so many dances because I didn't have to worry about what was, what I was going to do. I didn't care, you know, of course I care how I look in a way, but I didn't have to put on a costume. I didn't have to put on any stage makeup. I didn't have to, you know, do, you know, do your hair and all those, you know, all the things that take a lot of time. So when you have more time, you have more space to really dive deep and have a laser focus on the topic of teaching and creating things for your, for your students and for, for other dancers and, and kind of thinking about how I can elevate them. What do you think or what do you feel was the most valuable lesson that you learned from your mentor that you would like to pass to your students or to dancers who you coach uh, yourself these days? 
generosity. I, 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 I was about to, I wanted to finish the sentence before you finish. Like immediately when I think of her, I think of her generosity. There was always a, a sense of sharing and, a, and an enthusiasm about all of the topics. If she was talking about music or folklore or the history, whatever it was, there was a love for the topic and a generosity that never ended. It never felt like a burden or it never felt like a, it never felt transactional, if that makes sense. You mean generosity in terms of spreading knowledge and sharing knowledge with your students? So I feel like generosity in all of the ways, generosity of sharing the knowledge, a generosity of, of this, of her spirit, of the feeling of, I want to give you as I, like if we're, we were together for an hour or two hours or 10 minutes, I'm going to share as much as I possibly can with you and answer every question and help you as much as I possibly can in this moment. Right. It wasn't like a transactional. Well, I'm, you only paid me for this. So I'm going to give you this little bit of I'm going to give you these little nuggets. You know, I've had teachers like that. And it's oh, it's it. you know, I understand it. At the same time, you know, there's this deep love and admiration I have for her because of the generous spirit, the generosity of sharing all that she has with others and her passion for that. That just has always touched me. And also her, I guess now you got me thinking, what does that mean exactly? Also, she really celebrated my my wins. When I would have something good in my career happen, she would just come and pour her heart out and tell me how like proud she was. And it was huge for me. It was so, she didn't have to do that. She wasn't getting paid to do that. So it was just felt so genuine, like her genuine enthusiasm and generosity to share her feedback, to share her uh, excitement about my career highlights and to celebrate them. And she really celebrated that. And I, I felt that so the, the, it was so genuine and I, and I strive, I strive to be even uh, a glimpse of that. I, I hope that I'm, I'm, I'm a model of that is something I really strive for. You definitely are, because I was about just to add how much of that message shows up in your activities and in what you are doing. And since the beginning of pandemic, even before, but especially since the beginning of lockdowns, even your first steps in the online world, they were not for you yourself. Like all dancers were trying to navigate. Okay, I can teach in person. I can perform. I need to study online how to navigate. And then you, instead of doing it for yourself, you actually recorded a bunch of classes which you donated to other teachers that they can use in their let's say, online schools to attract students, to get like more people through the online doors, let's say, <laughs> etc. So you were taking generosity a little to the next level because it was not only in terms of knowledge, it was literally your time, your work, the physical, I mean, it was online, but still it's a physical thing that you created and you give, give away to other dancers to support them. And that's, that if I if you don't uh, describe that as generosity, then I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> yeah, it was it 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 felt like the right thing to do in that moment. You know, when I was reaching out to a friend in Prague and sh her studio was closing down and she's going online in Germany and Australia, like you know, the whole globe. 
you know, I know how many studio owners do you know? Do we know? Right? Like, so it was a really tough, tough world. My studio was not a belly dance school. So mine just closed, period. It was no online anything. It was a rental studio. So I felt it. I felt, and I, I was like, you know, this is really going to affect our dance community and the next generation of dancers. So, yeah, I wasn't seeing myself as online. I was like, oh, I'm not doing that online thing. I'm not, you know, you know, the first month. <laughs> so uh, it was so funny. So I thought, well, um, I'm going to hit the record button. I don't know how it's going to go, but I'm going to just get brave. Of course, I was a little fearful, but I tell you what, like hitting the record button takes a lot of balls. And it just no matter who you are or what you're doing, it just once I did it and I when I was doing it for someone else, it was a great motivation for me. I wasn't I got less worried about what I looked like and what I said and how I did it. And if I did little mistakes or if it wasn't perfect, I wasn't so focused on that because I just thought, well, this is going to bring value to to their school. Let me just jump in and do it. So I kind of recorded these. It was called uh, it was a hashtag together. We move. So you had to fill out an application, an application. Are you an online? So I think we, I helped like 275 schools from around the globe. Uh, even one, I think in, in Cambodia, like I unexpected places around the globe kind of reached out. It was, it was really uh, touching to, to, to know that I helped in a small way, somehow, some way, but it felt good. But the motivation was hit the record button and don't, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it because you, you know, you, you record classes and you know, you do these things. It's like, you can just get so stuck in your head and it can take forever. So, uh, yeah, it was just like, put it out there and keep, keep moving. That's it. Move forward, keep moving. And together we're going to move. It was really so generous of you to go step up and support community. And it just brings me back my thoughts to our very first interview. It just somehow circled around community. It's like, it's all conversations are free flow, but it always come back to you and your love and passion in and belief in Baladin's community is just amazing because uh, the experiences that we have inside Baladin's community, they're different. And some people, they cannot find the sense of community in ballet dance uh, right. industry and they actually feel very alone or they feel even negative uh, experiences with community but it's really um, inspiring to see like your passion and your belief in community and how much you give to this community without really asking for anything you said your own studio was closed at the same time you're focusing yeah. on helping other people that's that's incredible it was yeah i mean it was it was very therapeutic honestly because you can just sit and dwell and get into a pity party or you know focus on those negative things so it again dance has always been a gift for me it's part it's always been a healing place for me it's been a source of joy so it it was it was very therapeutic for me in that sense, like putting that out there and then having a motivation. All right, I'm going to get up and I'm going to film today instead of just focusing on, you know, being locked at home or thinking, you know, it, you know, and all the death and the destruction that was happening around the world. So it helped me to have a purpose. And I think purpose is, is incredibly profound, but having the, the sense that the success of another, you know, dancer, a belly dancer or a school, their success is my success because, because I love the art form so much. I wanted to succeed and go on when I'm gone. 
So, you know, these schools in little places all over the globe, their success is, is the success of the art form, right? So that's, that's just a perspective to, to consider it. Um, I know it gets competitive in places and dancers can be competitive in situations. So when you take that out and you start focusing, you know, like that whole send them love and wish them well, you know, wish them well on their journey. If another school is competitive with you, wish them well, wish them success, because that energy will release a lot of that negative um, fear, because it all just comes down to fear, like fear that am I going to be okay? Am I going to have enough students? Am I going to survive? So if you kind of wish them well, and you can focus on what do you have to contribute? What can you do to give the best value and the best service to your students? How can you serve your community? Um, and just focusing on that, the, 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 the road will start to open. Yeah, and for you, it's also uh, your help actually went way beyond the community. All it was always centered around like, okay, ballet dance related or around ballet dances. But you have done this for years. I think I, I lost account of how many fundraising uh, events and workshops or some different things and activities you did to gather funds to for different causes for so different causes from something belly dance related like what we just talked another to completely different uh, methods that go beyond just belly dance community and uh, that's um it feels like a real like you know stimul and motivation for you to just keep going and also great example to follow to see so much passion just to because it's a lot of work like i know like me, i mean all dancers at this point all professional dancers had to deal with online recordings and online stuff but you know how like we all know how much work it takes and seeing you doing one after another after another and another, i have no idea where you get emotional energy to keep going like this <laughs> Yeah, I think just, you know, diving deep into it and, and, you know, take, trying to take your ego out, you know, it's easy to say that, but taking your ego out and thinking about, um, what can be, what can be helpful for others. For example, like right now I got, I back, got back from Mexico and I have my monthly, I have a hip circle. It's like a monthly membership and every month I do a new topic. So this next topic, I thought this is going to be good for November because November, a lot of dancers have gigs because we have like holiday parties. So it's called from the stage to the studio. And, and I thought, what the hell am I going to do? Like, I'm all out of ideas. What's going to, what's going to happen? So I start kind of digging deep and then I thought, well, what would I do if I had a gig? What if I had to go to a corporate gig right now? Not that I would, but, okay. <laughs> um, you know, it's not my, I used to do that. I did that for years. It was a big part of building myself as a dancer and weddings and, you know, all of that, all of that scene. So I thought, well, I could do this and this. And so I kind of came up with the topic. And then today, Sabana came up with the idea. I said, well, I'm going to spend time and I'm going to make a whole playlist on the best songs to dance for at a live event, right? Because I thought, well, that's going to give more value. It's not really part of the class when I go on and teach. It's not a dance. It's not choreography. But it's like another nugget of something I can give that can bring value to a dance. What would a dancer really need and what would be the most helpful? So I start focusing on those things and then I get all excited. Of course, then two hours later, I've on Spotify and iTunes and, you know, like I forgot to have lunch and, you know, those kind of things spiral. But it can, if you get excited about the topic, 
it can just lead you into that enthusiasm when you think what would be what would be useful what would be something really a useful tool to share so just just things like that that keep me motivated mm. and it's also a different lifestyle for you so you know it's the different changes in your lifestyle but to try to keep this spark of motivation and excitement in your activity so can you share a little bit about your experience of moving to ireland moving away from Los Angeles, but still kind of working with dancers there, but it's very, very, very different for you these days. Totally different. So yeah, during COVID, Paul and I decided to uh, to move. Uh, we came to Maui 25 years ago on our honeymoon, and we traveled here many, many times since then as our vacation. We love it. It's It's beautiful. It's peaceful. Um, in California, there was a lot of fires happening. So that was a huge motivation for us to leave. We were both working, you know, pretty much online or remotely. So we thought this would be a moment to maybe make a shift in our lives. So when you move to an island, you don't take a lot of things. I got rid of about 70% of my possessions, my clothes, my furniture, things. I kept my cats, of course, and came to this beautiful island. But then I was, of course, I'm missing my family and friends. Mom and I visit each other. She comes here, I go there. Uh, everybody asks, is your mom in Hawaii? So mom is in um, my driveway dance buddy. She's in. She's still in Los Angeles. She has a huge um, you know, community and lots of activities. So we, we do meet pretty often, but it, it did really shift. And there's moments when I just feel like lonely and I feel like where's the, you know, I want to jump in the room with a bunch of dancers and it, it's, it's harder to do that here on the island. But I, when I first moved here, I started stalking the dancers here on the island and I'm like, hi, I'm Chalina. I just moved to the island and it was during, you know, the peak of COVID. So people weren't gathering at that point. Anyway, um, long story short, I, I connected with a dancer here named Lynette And from that point, she introduced me to a bunch of other dancers and she has a company here. So uh, we've done a few like uh, like small workshops and retreats here. I built a studio in my home. And then the other thing I'm doing that's really unique and different is I do a, a dance retreat here. Since Maui is a, is, a, is a destination place and there's so much to offer with, you know, the, the beauty of nature and there's the, it's, it's a whale sanctuary. So part of the year, 13,000 humpback whales come here to give, give birth or to find a mate. And it's like, it's like whale soup out here. It's, a, it's, it's absolutely like phenomenal. So there's a lot of beauty in the nature uh, to celebrate. And then we also get to dive deep in the dancing and we do a really small group of 10. So it's very intimate. And so I've shifted that in my life instead of doing as much traveling i'm in a, in a beautiful location and I, i love to welcome dancers here to my home and, and into my life and i i it's a small group so i feed them and i pamper them and it's really really um special to spend time together here uh in maui so that life has changed in that sense but right now like i i, I need to fly to la next month because i need to make a bunch of changes with the with the jungle book i want to tweak a bunch of choreographies and some costume ideas. So I'm going to fly to LA, meet, meet with my team and a couple other dancers that want to be, uh, you know, part of the creative project. So it's a little more challenging, um, but I'm, I'm making it work. And then also finding some dancers here has been so, so great and making, making new friends here and building a new tribe, just building a new tribe here. Hmm. 
Did you have any doubts regarding moving to Ireland back then? It was in the process of moving to Ireland in terms of how it, it will affect your dance activities. That maybe you had some worries or concerns, oh, maybe it will stop or anything because it's a very different lifestyle. Well, no, because at home I was dancing at home with, you know, on a laptop or on my computer. So I, I as long as I could build a home studio, that was important for me. So I needed like a space to feel creative. I needed, um, I, I built this one with a sprung floor because I didn't want to have, you know, for my knees and back. And I just wanted to, I, it's, it's the last studio I'm going to build, I decided. So, you know, with that said, I didn't have that fear, to be honest. I just, I also had to consider, well, if I do have a booking somewhere, I, I'll fly to LA and then I'll get to visit my mom. And then I'll fly, you know, like I went to Denmark, I went to the Danish Open and we did the Wizard of Oz last year. That was very exciting because that had got postponed and postponed and, you know, um, and all of that. So it was, it's, it's a little more challenging because I have to spend like two a day to get off the island. Then I have to spend a day in LA to regroup and figure it out. And then, you know, you fly to Europe or whatever. So um, even flying to Mexico. So it, it's a little more challenging, but no, it, 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 no regrets, no regrets at all. And after having already won like a couple of performances live on stage after a long break, uh, did you get a feeling of missing active performing life or you're kind of like shifting to a new chapter of your life and you're happy with these transitions? It's a combination of both. So when I do The Wizard of Oz, I'm, I'm, I'm a producer, director. I don't perform in the show and I love that role. I, I didn't think I would love it as much. I thought I would be uncomfortable sitting in the audience and not and being sad that I wasn't on stage, but I loved it. I love saying goodbye to the dancers and saying, have a great show. And then running into the audience. It's, I, I thrive in that. I absolutely love it. And I love seeing them shine and helping them find and meet their goals. And what I've done, the way I've set it up, for example, in the, in the jungle book is I have a little bit more of like a cameo in the show. I just have a couple of little sh short, powerful parts that I get to focus on. I don't, I don't desire a lot of stage time. I'd rather give that to, to the other dancers who, who want more stage time. So I, I'm kind of enjoying that transition. And then, you know, I'm looking down the line and at some point I'm, I'll, I'll be, I'll retire from the stage and I'll just focus totally on coaching. So for the next couple of years, I, I see myself still performing, got to stay, stay in good physical condition. You know, we talked about that a long time ago about nutrition and health and fitness and also, you know, mindset, you know, having a, you know, mentally this lockdown has been hard emotionally. So having not just a healthy body physically, but having a healthy, um, you know, emotions and, 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 and a mental, mental health is People don't talk about it, but it's mm -hmm. really important because it affects everything. It affects, it affects me physically a lot if I'm down. Mm. How did your health and like uh, nutrition and or fitness routine changed uh, if to compare four years ago and now? <laughs> well, it's it's been a roller coaster. It's been a roller coaster. And if you've been following me online, you can see that there was some times that I've I gained more weight than I than I, than I have in the last few years, I think being home somehow just some of the, some of the 
you know, eating, emotional eating, some of that slipped in there, uh, a little more wine at night, some of that slipped in there, you know, this is just me being real with you guys, but it was, you know, I don't feel like I really, it got really out of control or anything. So it just, it, there was some, there was a period of time. So just kind of slipping away from that and losing a little bit of that focus. But honestly, having the, that performance come up in my life really motivated me. And it really motivated me, motivated me to, to know that I have the tools to do what I, what I, what I need to do to kind of level up and to be in that physical condition. So having those habits of, of knowing, knowing how to get on point with my nutrition and knowing, you know, I know how to lose weight. Like it's not that, you know, it depends on, you know, not everybody's the same and not every, every body physical body is the same. So I knew, I knew the things I needed to do to get back into that. So and also not wearing a costume for two years. You know, I'm in yoga pants. We're all in yoga pants. I'm home, home most of the day in my yoga pants. So you can get really comfortable with that. But then, you know, you look at your costume like, oh, my God, I got to put on a costume. Let's get let's get serious now. So, yeah, that that's kind of how mine went. How about you? Actually, uh, before we <laughs> before we get to me, I just want yeah. to have one comment because in terms of fitness and healthcare, one of the great motivator I bet for you is not only was not only upcoming performance, but also your mom. She's incredible and amazing. <laughs> and I remember looking forward to all your driver through uh, dances back then, and even still mm. now you're doing. But you were sharing a little bit more about her routine and how big motivation she was and is for you in this sense absolutely and it 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 just reminds me that you know you see her dancing she's 83 right she's 83 years old she's still dancing she can still remember choreography she can still kick her legs so you know dancing doesn't have to end but she works hard for that she goes to pilates once a week she goes to the gym twice a week with a trainer she goes to dance class twice a week so she's doing her cardio she's doing her exercises she works during COVID. she was also working out at home she was doing like i swear to god i think they were like jane fonda videos or something really hilarious like that but she loved them and she knew them and it was like her routine so that was uh, and 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 will always be a huge motivation for me and us getting together and doing those driveway dances was so much fun and so inspiring for both of us and inspiring a lot of other uh, moms and just people who kind of lost that we talked about earlier lost that motivation is like oh I see you and your mom out there like I I like how old is your mom they can never believe it mm -hmm. so you know, the other day my mom said something that we were talking about. Oh, how was your workout? How was this thing? She goes, so I didn't feel like going, but I have a motto, non-negotiable. It's not negotiable. You just put your shoes on and you show up. And whether you have a big workout or a little workout, you show up. So non-negotiable. That's, that's our new motto. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And how um, is it difficult or how did you figure out, you know, getting back in shape with very like physical uh, let's say uh, activities and uh, 
workouts, but I don't know workouts or not, but how did you figure out it, especially if you had to do it on your own at home? Because I don't know if, if where you live, do you have access, you know, to, let's say, a social network that we sometimes rely, even going to gyms, seeing other people working out, it kind of motivates you to work out and maybe have a personal trainer. But for you, how was that experience not being in LA at that moment? <laughs> yeah, it yeah, I do have resources here. Like I have a gym here, so I have a membership. Um, so going to the gym and, and lifting weights is, has always been something that I try to incorporate because it's it helps just to kind of that the strength, uh, building muscle and bone density for longevity, uh, incorporating yoga classes. So keeping my flexibility I, as a dancer, it's it's something I noticed. And it was a note that I had been giving a lot in the online competition. So I had kind of been doing a lot of online competitions or even in-person competitions. One of the notes I give was you need to increase your flexibility. So just having that and kind of thinking about that and seeing myself I know I need to make sure I maintain that. I maintain my flexibility. What do you mean by flexibility here? Are we talking about, I don't know, back bends and splits? Or, or what, what exactly you put in this word? Because it can mean uh, a lot all, of things. Okay, all of it. So yes, back bends and splits. If, if, if you were doing that before, can you continue doing it? It doesn't mean you're, a, you're not a dancer if you can't do a back bend or the splits. Like that's not, that doesn't define all of dance. But having a flexible body, for example, if you do a lot of really good side stretches, you can open up the obliques. That gives you more space in your hip work, right? So just, you know, I noticed that. And I'll tell you something. I saw a dancer some a while back. I was on, a, on another festival recently. And I saw a, a dancer on stage who had lost a lot of her flexibility. And I... It, 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 it hit me. It hit me like that is so important. That is so important because I knew that dancer many years ago and I knew the dancer that she was and I saw how that she hadn't been maintaining herself physically. And, and it wasn't it wasn't like a judgment. It was more like an observation. And it's like, I, it, how do I want to see myself? And for myself personally, if I'm going to take if I'm going to take the time to set myself up and to go on stage and to present myself and, and my craft in front of others, I want to be the best possible version of who I am and who I am today. Mm. I'm not the dancer that you all know me with the pink snake, belly dance superstars, right? So that's that's a different dancer. But who is the dancer that I am today and what are the tools that I have? Right. I actually still can do the splits, but, <laughs> you know, my backbends maybe aren't the backbends I did when I was younger, but that's OK. So I want to like tap into my strengths and also know that I'm doing the best version of who I am and and the dancer that I am today and, and be OK with that if I'm putting the work in. And I know, I know if I'm not putting the work in. <laughs> mm, but that's the main struggle because it it all comes back whenever we talk, having this discussion with professional dancers, it always comes back to conditioning your body. Like dance itself is not enough. Like for professional performances or career in general, you need to prepare your body for being a dancer. But it's also a lot about mindset and how yeah. kind of stop comparing, especially if you see this time, uh, for whatever reason, for some people it may be this time, like natural, like uh, age and differences in body. For some people it may be going like from lockdowns and uh, having some 
like I definitely had a couple of moments take, getting it out of control. I'm also emotional eater, like, and then I was like, okay, like different uh, style, of, like lifestyle, different habits, etc. So, but how about mindset conditioning? Or not even conditioning, for your experience, you shared a little bit, but if you can go a little bit deeper on the question of, okay, coming back on stage, seeing changes in your body, in your skills, it can, for many people, can be very demotivating. It can really put them down in terms like feeling um failure before even trying to go on stage again after a long break and regardless was it because of lockdown or some people had i don't know they were given a birth to a child they had to stop dancing right. or there are some other changes that they stopped dancing i don't know five ten years or one two years doesn't really matter but then the body changes if you don't do this physical activity but visually it we all understand the value of us regardless of like okay we, we need to love and we need to value ourselves but it's easier to say than sometimes to actually do and especially when you're a dancer when your work is visual and it represents and manifests through your body so right. how to deal with it from the point of view of mindset to kind of psych yourself not to try to compare and grab too much on that image of that thought of what you're supposed to do you think oh i supposed to do or being able to do this but right. how to kind of move and find new satisfaction let me phrase it even more like specific find the satisfaction and best version of yourself without compromising your standards Without right. this, oh, it's just whatever it is. But no, like still doing the best, but finding this motivation sparkle to again do really the best. You know, it you, you have to get comfortable with yourself. And I think, you know, the media and especially like, you know, with Instagram and all the filters and everything, everybody looks a certain way. Um, getting comfortable with who you are, where you are in your life, whatever age you are, or if you've, you've had a, you've had a child or, you know, maybe you've taken that like break or kind of whatever that has been for you. So for me personally, getting more comfortable with these lines on my face, you know, my wrinkles, hello, like I, you know, I don't, I want to, I want to wear them with, with pride. I, I try to, you know, I don't love them. I just, you know, don't get me wrong. I wish they weren't here. But when I do see them and I think about, you know, and I see other people or I, you know, all this stuff with all this plastic surgery stuff. And when I see, I've seen some of my friends or people and I was like, oh my God, that was way too much. Like their face looks weird. And I don't, I don't like it. And I hear, I hear other people talking about them. And I really think, is that, is that the direction I want to go in? And I, I try to think about, let me wear these lines with my years of wisdom. Let me, let me get comfortable with that instead of focusing on the, that they're ugly or that they're not beautiful. They're, they're beautiful. They're my beauty. They're my experiences in life. So trying to kind of focus on, on things that I can't change. Like, you know, I put my night creams on. Don't get me wrong. I've got my mask and all that stuff. So those are the things that I can't really change that much. I can do some preventative stuff, but like the physical stuff, there are things I can do. 
right? So if there's things I can do to 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 kind of level up whatever that conditioning is and all of those, you know, whatever all those conditioning things, I have to ask myself, have I done everything that I can? Am I satisfied with the work that I've done? Do I feel like I've put the time in to to prepare myself for that? And when I haven't, I know it and I feel it and I regret it and I get really fearful about going on stage. I get really fearful. But when I've done that work, I start to it really kicks up my confidence. It gives me the confidence I need to know I've done everything I can. I've rehearsed as much as I possibly can. I've trained for this. I've prepared for this. And it's going to be what it's going to be. And not to not to overthink, not to overthink it. And of course, it's always going to can be better. And of course, you know, oh, I wish I would have done that, you know, that thing. Like, I'm, I'm like, I hate to watch myself on video. I really hate to watch myself on video because I just, yeah, I, I just want to change everything. More about the movements. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's kind of my thoughts on that is kind of embracing that, that, um, that accepting who you are, where you are in your life, and then knowing that you can do the work. The other thing, and I just gave this advice to a dancer. Uh, she was like, I don't know what, you know, if I should keep doing these gigs and this and that. And I said, honestly, I said, I stopped gigging because I didn't, I didn't want to put myself there and start doubting myself. So I set myself up to only perform in front of an audience that I want to perform in front of. Like, I'm not going to go down. I'm not going to go do a wedding or a corporate gig right now. I don't, I don't want to put myself in front of that audience. I'm going to put myself in front of an audience that is interested in seeing me and I'm interested in being in front of them. So I, I have those, I, I've made a choice for that. So you don't have to take every gig that you want to, that you want to perform. You want to maybe just perform in a hafla with your students or your friends. That's a very safe and, and, and supportive place to dance. So you can choose where to put yourself too. If you don't feel comfortable putting yourself in that, maybe you want to work your way back into those situations. So that's, that's my advice is like put yourself in front of an audience that will actually appreciate what you do and not judge you. I also think it's kind of the question of maturity that you allow yourself to mature in general, like not as a dancer, but it's always deeper or something. And, uh, Maybe it's a, and it does not cancel still, it does not cancel self-improvement that we all True. do and we all work, but it may signal about some other underlying um, struggles or issues maybe that are calling for your attention in this way if you are really, really like gadging uh, hard on yourself as a dancer in terms of... Right. Uh, changes that we naturally change body change lifestyle change life around right. us change everything change so it's a matter of uh, maturing but not necessarily it's also the the play of word tricky like I, I was about to say oh not necessarily not accepting but no it is accepting but it doesn't mean that you will not try to improve or change but in a healthy right. way in a mature way but it's all about you know, like this deeper mindset that uh, we say that dance influence us as a person, but we as a person also have a lot of impact on our dance. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's so true. That's so, so true that we can, we have control over certain things. 
So you, you focus on the things that you have control over. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that is your mindset in your view of yourself. You know, sometimes I have to give myself a pep talk. <laughs> it's true. Like, I'm like, you can do this. Or like, you know, like getting ready to go to Mexico. I was like, what the hell are you doing? Are you seriously going to do this? Like, I don't, like, I just had like a funny conversation with myself. And I was like, all right, we're doing this. All right, let's get ready. But I'll tell you one funny thing is what I didn't, what I, what I'm not a big fan of, and I don't do a lot in my training is cardio. I'm just like, dancing is my cardio. I do, you know, if I do dance, you know, I dance, I dance a lot. I really get my heart rate up and all of that. But in Mexico City, it's over 7,500 feet above sea level. So there's less oxygen. So you have altitude situation. And I was gasping at rehearsal week. I was gasping for air. I was like, like my lung, I, might, I could feel my lungs. So it was like, oh yeah, that too. <laughs> Add that to the, the check. Like I do a lot of hiking here, but it's not like a hard mm-hmm. cardio. Like I get my heart rate up, I go uphill and all that. But anyway, it was just like, oh yeah, you forget those things are important. <laughs> So at this point of your life, you briefly mentioned about this, uh, but I also want to ask like more, you know, precise and directly, but um, what's coming up for you? What are your dance dreams and goals right now at this moment? And what are you working towards you and Paladins Evolution and company, whatever you feel like sharing with us, no pressure, just whatever you feel like sharing with us. Yeah, it's just like, you know, dusting off those cobwebs of like being in, you know, all, you know, costumes and storage and the, cre- the all of those things. So um, getting we got a few bookings coming up for the Jungle Book. We're going to be in Arkansas in February and then we're going to be in Atlanta, Georgia in September. Probably like we're just in discussion now with uh, Rome, Italy and Czech Republic for May of next year so that's really exciting so i'm really hopeful that everything is going smoothly in in europe and the surrounding areas um so that's really exciting to have that on on the on the calendar to bring that back and um like i said like i created that show a couple years ago so i feel like i've evolved as a dancer like my ideas have evolved so i'm gonna go back and like make a lot of like artistic changes with that and continuing with the BD experience, which is a really incredible project because it, it really, it's open for a lot of dancers of different levels. So it's like intermediate to up. And we can have di- dancers of, of, of a lot of different ages and sizes and like open to like, diff- you know, all this like gender identity and really opening up that. And I feel like that's something that's really important to me is like really opening up to to dancers and, and, and taking a step back and, and looking at the dance community and saying, who's missing? Who's not represented here? That's, that's the, and what can I do to kind of step into that and just, and finding out where my blind spots are. I, I have a diversity consultant that, I, that I've been working with over the last couple of years and it's been incredibly valuable. And to get that real critical feedback and find your blind spots is so valuable. I can't stress that enough and I really recommend it um, it's tough. It's you have to have those deep and meaningful conversations and those difficult conversations. But it's it's incredibly valuable when you come out on the other side. So that's 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 something that's 
um, that's part of the growth mindset and part of the growth of the company and uh, and hopefully the legacy of the company. And then the new project I'm going to be working with is a producer that I've worked with for many years in Morocco. So we're going to bring in a new production uh, to Morocco with a brand new show with new music, new costumes, new concepts. And yeah, so she's we we're, we have a meeting tomorrow to go a little bit more deep into the story. Of course, we're going to have like a bit of a storyline. Uh, and then, yeah, so that's really exciting. That's going to be like a brand new artistic endeavor. And we'll be looking for dancers, for some professional level dancers. So lots of casting opportunities of dancers of all levels. So we're looking for the pro dancers for the professional shows. We're also looking for like the um, intermediate to professional dancers to have lead opportunities and training and performance. So um, yeah, I think I covered it all. Oh, and I'm bringing back Alice in Wonderland. We're going to be restaging that. It's one of my favorite, favorite productions. And we're going to be doing that with Mega Massive. So that's one of the biggest fusion dance festivals uh, in this on this side of the hemisphere in Las Vegas. So we're doing that also in March. And wow. I'm super excited about that. Yeah, really excited about that. So it's a performance intensive. It's a one week. We get together for a week and then we're presented on stage. Uh, of course, lots of online homework. Don't don't forget, you know, my systems and my training style. So, wow, that sounds like a really incredible and exciting year coming up. A year from now, not even calendar year, but for year, the whole year from yeah. now on. Congratulations on that and good luck with all these upcoming projects and getting back to active, like, you know, stage and company life and touring life. That's so amazing. And I would like to really remind all dancers that they all have opportunity to be part of that uh, events and that shows that you do casting from for touring in different countries you also have a lot of online training that people can shadow keep people can get even if they're afraid to go on stage they can get some training with a company so all that information is on the website of ballet dance evolution i will include a link in the uh, show notes and it's uh, really uh, delightful to see how your company grows oh and by the way another note to our listeners for everyone who got really interested in getting uh doing online casting go back to our first interview because we actually yeah. talked about your system and how you you choose and how you evaluate and what to go through so we are not repeating really not repeating uh, information and it's kind of a continuation it's a good catch up after four years to see where things changed and which things got the same and like you know stable <laughs> so this is one of those ones go back to the first episode that we did uh, with Jelena because there we got really detailed specifically about this process of casting and rehearsals and putting stages, putting shows on stages in different countries all around the world. <laughs> yeah, that was, that's true. We did do, we talked a lot about the audition process and about like yeah. the behind the scenes of the production, but as always, Iana, your, your podcast is so valuable. It's such a gift in our dance community. It has been a way for us to connect and to learn more about the other artists I love when I'm like, oh, I, I want to learn more about this dancer and that dancer and just hearing all the behind the scenes stuff. So what you do really brings us together. And, you know, again, we'll throw the word community. You build our community closer and you build those bonds without. I don't know if you realize that, but 
I've gotten to know a, a lot of dancers uh, through your podcast. So I'm so grateful for this opportunity to connect with you again personally and wish you lots of success. Well, I want also on this note to thank you because I don't know if you uh, know this, but you had a little contribution too to the very beginning when I was just starting and it was kind of a bumpy a little bit. And then it was like, oh, I don't know for how long I want to do it. And then suddenly I receive a reply from you that you're excited to do interview. And I was like, oh my God, that's the signal. And you were one of the first sponsors. You reached out to me to support the show and I really appreciate and thank you because that for me was the signal that okay I'm doing something right <laughs> let's keep going <laughs> so yeah, thank you so I much for it. that <laughs> I, I, I love what you do and I think that you're bringing so much you know in, so many interesting insights you ask great questions and you dive deep and you ask and we get to learn things about artists and about the art form that we don't get to always listen, learn in, in a classroom you know a classroom is we're mostly focusing on the steps or the dance or the music. So this is a, a wonderful learning tool uh, for all of us, myself included. Scratch your own itch. <laughs> well, thank you. I will almost start blushing from so many compliments. <laughs> but regarding my questions, um, I want to ask you one more final question, which okay. I already asked you before, but it's interesting to know how your answer may possibly change or may remain the same. Uh, and it's our traditional question, which I ask every single guest at the end of our interview, regardless of what we discussed. And I'm very excited to ask you it right now again. So the question is, what makes you fall in love with ballet dance again and again? So you keep doing it for so many years. You know... I think uh, I'll kind of go back to what I said when I what I discovered during COVID is that that the dance lives inside me, that it's just so much more than movements and steps. That it's it's a source of creativity. It's a source of joy for me. Um, that through through being separated from people, I actually felt even deeper in love with the dance, and I had the most creative years I've ever had. So it was just yeah, that dance is deep inside me, in my heart and in my mind, and it's not something anybody could ever take away with me. Even if I couldn't walk, I, could, I would still consider myself a dancer. That's it for today. I hope you have enjoyed this episode, and before you leave, don't forget to screenshot and share it with your friends. The more people get inspired, the better it is for our dance community. Until next time, keep shimming and see you soon! This episode was brought to you by the Yana Dance Club, a meeting place for committed dance enthusiasts of all levels. Most of our members shared that the club helped them to improve consistency in their training, meet new dance friends, and discover various topics through hundreds of different tutorials. This is definitely a belly dance training that becomes a lifestyle. Learn more at yanadanceclub.com, link in the show notes, or simply visit yanadanceclub.com and try for 7 days for free.